welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Praise God. I'm here in Kingdom Faith today, at the front here. I'm here in the people of the kingdom, living to serve the king of all, the king of kings. And I'm hearing a people living by faith, because you can hear it. When people are singing words that they believe, you can hear it. It's palpable, and it encourages each other. It's amazing stuff. So thank you, because I'm already blessed. But we're going to be so blessed with what God's going to do today. Um, just, just before I do, because otherwise I'll forget, this has been left here by our wonderful Friday Club team. So um, Friday Club are doing Friday Club on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursday. Yeah. I know. It's just a name. It's been there for a long time. I like it. Anyway, and I like doing Friday Club on Tuesdays. It makes, you know... But it's the, actually the holiday club, Tuesday to Thursday of half term, which I'm reliably informed means not this coming week, but the week after that. But those of you that have children will be more aware of that. I can't believe once upon a time my whole life as a teacher was framed around terms and half terms, and now I've no idea. It's amazing. It's called a renewed mind. <laughs> So you can sign in at the hub. You need to book in because they, they do do limited numbers on this one. So if your kids are interested and they want to bring friends, make sure you get them signed in. Uh, hallelujah. So I'm going to be, uh, well, quick for me. I'm going to be quick this morning because we definitely have got to get back worshipping God today for what God's going to do. Uh, we're going to worship really in response to what I'm going to say. Sometimes that's a great way around to do it. It's a very biblical way to do it, and I want to go back to Ephesians, but uh, I'm barely going to mention anything I've said before. <laughs> believe that, you believe anything. Right. <laughs> uh, so we, we're kind of in chapter 4. I'm not going to spend very long in chapter 4, because I felt the Holy Spirit saying, move through to what I want to do today. So very briefly, you've got from verse 17 onwards, well, go back to one verse we did do last time. The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this is all very much in the context of being God's people, being God's family, being the body, being the community of God. And so Paul then launches into a lot of guidance on how to live that out. It's really important whenever you read chapter 4 to put it back in the context of what God has already done which we're not allowed to do because I said we're not. But it's all about being in Christ and being chosen and being uh, being for this time and being God's masterpiece. Because if you lead a list of things that you know, oh yeah, I'm one of those, I fail there, you can end up feeling very depressed. Paul didn't give this list to make you feel depressed. He gave this list to enable you to aim to live as God wants everyone to live. Because of who they are. You are already holy. You are already washed clean if you know Jesus Christ because of what he's done for you. That dying on the cross was enable you to connect with Jesus. Okay? It's a mystery, really. I mean, sometimes you, it, it, the Bible itself admits that if you're not somebody that knows God, it can sound like foolishness. It is foolishness. That God would come and die for the human beings that he made, it sounds like foolishness. But love overcomes all of that. And he says, Jesus says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win these people back into relationship. That's why he came. And it took a lot. Okay, so then Paul Paul gives this list. 
in the middle of this list, we encounter what Pastor Brian was speaking about the other week uh, from a different passage. I think you were in Colossians, yeah. Uh, so he, he just says, he gives a list of basically living in darkness and says, that's not the way of life you've now learned in Christ. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self. It's the wardrobe. In the wardrobe. Open the wardrobe. There's a magnificent set of clothes for you. It's like everything you've ever wanted to look righteous before God. It's all there. You can choose to put it on or you can choose to leave it in the wardrobe and live in your old set of clothes, which before God are just tatty rags. No matter how good a shop you go to, everything about our life is just tatty rags compared to how holy and how amazing God is. Which is why it's so incredible that he then says, I'm going to place you there and here's some clothes so that you fit and that you're part of it. So he says, putting off our old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Anybody had a few of those corruptive, deceitful desires recently? You're human. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we put it on. It's a decision. We, we know when we put it on in the morning, it's a good time to get dressed. We put it on. We know that there could be things that happen that day, attitudes, thoughts, things we do, that don't match the clothes we've got on. It's not that we want to do that. We don't. But we know that it might happen. In some cases, we're pretty sure it's going to. But what, so what is the difference between that and, be, and, and just enjoying the sin and getting on with it? The difference is an attitude of mind. The difference is that doesn't belong to me. Okay, there's people in this room and you are battling through some things. You need to realize that the flesh is dead. And you can put on the new self. It's not so much a battle with the sin as a focus on Jesus. The more we focus on, I've got to stop, I've got to stop, I've got to stop, the more we're thinking about the issue itself. And our focus has got to be on what is holy and righteous and true. That's what helps us to overcome. But that's what can make it so difficult because you can feel guilty. I did this. I did this, and I did this, and that was wrong, and I've done it again. I've got to stop. I'm going to stop. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to stop. You've got to help me stop. Okay, that's, that's fine on one level, but the next step is, I'm washed clean by the blood of Jesus. It's nothing to do with me. I shouldn't have done it, but I'm forgiven now, and I come and worship. Oh, Jesus, you're amazing. You're glorious. You don't need to keep bringing your sin to God. You don't have to walk in carrying all your darkness and say, look what I've got, God. Will you forgive me? God says, I forgave you on the cross. Leave it at the cross and come to me in the light. Amen. Right. But that's not what we're doing this morning, except that it's important to know that right now, as you sit there, if you are repentant, what does repentant mean? You've changed your mind about being right. You've changed your mind and you want to live as God has called you to live in holiness and righteousness. That's pretty much a, pre- a requirement for following Jesus. You want to be his disciple. You acknowledge you might sometimes fail, but you want to be his disciple and follow him. Okay? That's pretty much putting off the old, putting on the new. So have that attitude about you for what God wants to release. But the, the, sort of the, the wonderful thing is, is, as you make that decision, what is happening today is to enable you to live better as you've just been struggling to live, because there is a power, there is an anointing that comes from God, the Holy Spirit fills us and enables us to live by grace in the way God has called us. It's not a hard effort. Though it is a hard effort to say, 
I repent. That's the hard as it gets. That sometimes can be very hard because you've got to admit, I was wrong. The way I thought about it, it's wrong. I'm going to believe God. How many are ready to believe God today? Come on, let's have some more. Let's go Pentecostal. Let's have some hands in the air. How many are ready to live God today? Hallelujah. There's still some resistant Pentecostals in the room here. I like Pentecost. The the Holy Spirit poured out on all flesh. Do you want the Holy Spirit to pour out on you today? Come on, get those hands in the air. Don't be so English on me. Especially those of you who are Scottish. That's really weird. (laughs) Oh, Welsh. Wow. (laughs) So, he then goes through things here in Paul and, and, and talking about what the darkness looks like Compared to the light. We don't need to focus on that this morning. But go away and read it and be, be uh, you know, equipped by it. For as Paul says later in 5 verse 8, you were once in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. Amen. There is no doubt, once you were over in the darkness. Oh look, you are as well. But anyway, you're in the darkness, but now you have been transposed into the light. Amen. It's going to shine off you. Yeah, yeah. We need lots of agreement this morning because I tell you what God wants to do, you need to make sure you're ready, that you're plugged in, that you want everything that God wants to do in you this morning. Because if you're ready and you've got that attitude, I know God's going to do something in you today. Okay? Right. Come on. Come on. Come on. This is going to be good. Oh, hallelujah. Everything exposed by the light, says Paul, becomes visible. So all the stuff that he's just listed, he says the light shines on it. When you're a Christian, things that you used to do that seemed okay, I'm a pretty good guy, suddenly the light's shining on me and you think, oh, I like that though. I like that. It makes me feel good. And the light shines on it and you know, you know, you know, you don't even really need to read that book quite often because the Holy Spirit's convicting you. You just know this, this area of my life, it's not right, but I, I like it. I like it. Why do most people sin? They like it. Why do people take drugs? They like them. Why do people get drunk on beer and wine and spirits? Because they like to. I mean, there's an uncontrollable element that comes in, which is the whole issue and the whole problem with them. But sin starts with liking it. Why do people not remain faithful to their married partner and go and sleep with other people? Because they like it. Sin is enticing. But ultimately, it leads to a very uninviting, unenticing place. And it begins to corrupt your own life and the lives of those around you. Your whole marriage and your children can be destroyed for that little bit of fun that you had. Yeah? Everything is exposed by the light. It becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. See, I've got a black shirt on today, but you can see me. I haven't disappeared into the darkness because the lights are shining on me. All right, no matter how dark your life has been, when the light shines on it, you're going to shine a lot brighter than this. We've used the example of the moon so many times I've forgotten. The moon is black, dark rock, but in our sky, when the sun is shining, it's bright white. Even in the daytime. It was, in the, it was up in the daytime yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. In the bright light of daytime, the moon was in the sky. 
looks, I always think it looks really beautiful when you see the moon in the daytime. It was shining there. But that moon is dark and black and dusty. But in the sky, with the light of the sun shining on it, it's transformed. It's a picture from God about us. He's saying no matter how dark your background has been, when the light of the sun shines on it, you are bright and beautiful. Even in the bright light of daylight, you are beautiful. Why can we see the sun? Well, sorry, why can we see the moon and not the stars? Because the stars are, who have a light of their own do not have the sun shining on them. I mean, it depends where you're standing in the universe, of course. It's just an allegory. But people will see you not because of your little light, you know, of being a good person or a kind person. They will see you because of the light of Christ shining on you. You have no choice in the matter. It's not something you've got to work hard at. It happens. The moon is not struggling in the sky thinking, I'm going to shine better today. I've got to shine. I've got to shine. I've got to be seen in Scarborough. It just shines because it's basking in the light of the sun. And you are basking in the light of the Son of God. Amen? Amen, amen. So, Paul says, that's why it says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's, it, it, I mean, he says, wake, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Many people think, because it's, it's kind of linked to Isaiah 60, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines upon you. But it's not an exact quote. So many people think this is probably uh, an early song or hymn, particularly probably sung at baptism or something like that. You can imagine it, can't you? As somebody who's been put under the water, you could turn this into kind of a song, couldn't you? That you're singing over them, you know? Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. I don't know if they'd sing it with a 1970s type of rock voice, but... <laughs> Wake up, sleeper, and rise! from the dead for Christ shall shine on you yeah you can hear it can't you (laughs) so can you oh what a cool thing we should start doing that (laughs) write a song somebody we got song people songwriters write a song that you can sing during baptisms wake up or sleeper rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a rock ballad. That's just my love. Now, so Paul says, what Paul is saying to these guys is, that's what's been sung over you. That's what's been said over you. Don't go back to being sleepy. Don't look like a corpse. Because the light of Christ is shining on you. You are in a different place now. You are no longer dead. You are alive in Christ. You are no longer in darkness. You are standing in the light of the sun. Amen. I hope you're getting my enthusiasm. You are the light. We are the light. This is brilliant. We don't have to have miserable faces. God hasn't got a miserable face. God's face must be smiles and delight in his children. Because he sees them bathed in the light. Hallelujah. Some of you are looking very serious. You don't need to look serious. This is good. Yes. This is, I'm, not, I'm not getting to the punchline. And so, you dirty, rotten sinners, boot, boot. I'm just going higher and higher and higher today. Is that all right? It's not going to get to a nasty punchline. I'm not drawing you in. And then I'm going to trap you into a three-hour confession service. I'm just 
sharing that you're in the light. I'm just going through the scriptures that God has given us in Ephesians. So, Paul says, so you're in the light. So, be careful then. Be very careful then. In fact, the actual Greek says, see to it. <laughs> yeah, see to it, but with great diligence or great care. You Just see to it, will you? See to it, he says. See to it. Uh, then, how you live. Don't live as the unwise, but as the wise. Yeah, because the foolish don't want to know anything about God. The wise want to know more. They want to get closer to God. So he's saying, be wise. Making the most of every opportunity. He's literally saying, um, buy as much of the good stuff as you can. The word used is redeeming. It means buy into whatever opportunity God gives you. Okay, now, if we take that little bit there on, 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 um, on faith this morning... This next week, month, and the ones to come, I know because the Lord has told me that he is going to open up many more opportunities to every person in this room. So are you ready to seize the day? Oh, that's more Caesar, that is. Carpe diem. But you seize the day. See to it. Make the most of every opportunity. If opportunities are going to come your way, are you going to take hold of them? That's not, that's, there's not enough determination out there. We're Pentecostal today, I've already told you. Some of you are going to get up and start dancing around the room in a minute and waving a tambourine and then we'll take it off you. But, (laughs) will you make the most of every opportunity? Yes. Yeah, we're getting there, we're getting there. (laughs) Because, Paul says, the days are evil. Have a look in your newspaper. You'll find that the days are evil. President Trump tweeted this morning that Europe needs to take in um, the ISIS fighters, 800 of them, that he says the Americans have captured. Otherwise, he will release them into Europe. That's our allies. That's nice. No, the days are evil. They are corrupt. They are mixed up. I'm, only quote, I'm not quoting the news. I'm quoting the tweet from the president himself. I'm sure there will be many exclamations coming further from the White House about what he actually said. <laughs> I do not say that to mock him. I'm saying that to realize, make you realize we live in dangerous days. We live at the end of all days. The days are evil, but there are going to be opportunities. Opportunities for what? To see people saved, to see people healed, to see people delivered, to see people filled with the Holy Spirit, to see an outburst of God activity, to see new business opportunities, to see new opportunities that break through into a community, new opportunities to help someone, new opportunities to show kindness and gentleness. That's what we're talking about. So will you make the most of the opportunities God gives you? Yes. yes. <laughs> Why is it, you think, that, that uh, makes us sort of semi-reluctant to shout out yes? What is it that makes us hold back sometimes? That sort of sense of being a little bit, I don't know, foolish. I know, I know, because I've been there. You know, I've, I've, I've listened to people preaching, and they want you to answer, and you realize you haven't answered. But it's like, oh, oh Mr. Overcome that reluctance this morning. This is something different. I promise you, we, we, we are moving into different times. 
But there has to be, let it be done to me, Lord, in our spirits. There has to be a yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That is what I want. I want to see the name of Jesus Christ lifted up over Scarborough and Yorkshire. I want him to be made known in this town and this county. Oh, come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. And we want to be your, your body, your faithful people, making a difference, being the city on a hill that people can see and that we'll run to. Come on. Come on. I don't want to mess around playing at church. I want to see the miracles. I want to see the deliverances. Hallelujah. We want to see the miracles. We want to see the deliverances. Thank you for standing, Pastor Adrian, because that's another way of saying yes. Another way that we're slightly reluctant to do so because it's not the normal. But actually, it's the normal in the kingdom. We're not British or German or French or Spanish. We are citizens of the king that live in another land that's not our own anymore. We can love it and adopt it, but our true citizenship... Our true position of who we are are subjects of King Jesus. We're both his subjects, his servants, and his sons. We are sons and daughters that choose to serve. Are you going to make the most of the opportunities? They're coming. They'll come today, possibly, maybe tomorrow, a little chance for an opportunity for a conversation. But will you just sit in your chair and nod quietly? Or will you say yes? Or will you stand up and talk to that person with the possible, possible circumstances of becoming embarrassed because they reject you? Are we too scared of being rejected or known as Christians? I don't think so. I think there is a kingdom faith in this room. There is something inspiring going on in this room. But sometimes it just needs a little bit of stirring up. I'm stirring it up today. Come on, let's get it stirred up. Let's stir up the spirit within us. Yeah, I'm glad that, I'm, I'm really pleased that some people actually did that. You know, we, we're so cere- cerebral, I think that's the right word. We think so much, but we are body, mind and spirit. You know, we just have to do things sometimes. That's why there's so many attitudes of prayer. On your face, jumping up and down, kneeling, quietness, loudness. Sorry, quietness, loudness. I'm being too loud to be quiet. Therefore, says Paul, in terms of grabbing the opportunity, let's just check this again. Let's just check this again because then we're going on to this therefore and we haven't got long left because we've got to get back into into worship. How many are going to make the most of the opportunities God's going to give them? Yes. Yes. You will now receive more because you stood, because you exercised faith. According to your faith, it will be given you. That's why I'm, I'm coming in this direction before the outpouring of what God's going to do. Because I want you to embrace everything enthusiastically. Enthusiasm means full of God, which is appropriate for when you're about to be filled with God, the Holy Spirit. Don't do a, a naughty, polite acceptance. Grab hold of everything this morning. That's why... The Lord tells us to be hungry. That's why the metaphor he uses is, come, all you who are thirsty. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right then. So if you're ready for every opportunity, therefore, don't be foolish. Oh, okay. 
but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, what's the Lord's will then? Don't get drunk on wine. Uh, yeah, I'd expect that sort of thing. Which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So don't be foolish. Don't just get into worldly stuff and get drunk on wine. Get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What a strange analogy. We're a little bit used to this analogy. But don't you think it's weird that he would, he would take something like drunkenness and then immediately talk about the Holy Spirit? Especially in his Ephesian culture. I mean, if you think Scarborough's bad on a, on a Friday night sometimes, you should have seen Ephesus. It was a culture of extreme drinking that, that was worshipped to the god Dionysus. There was, there was getting drunk in everything. And the, the purpose of getting drunk was to lose self-control so that you would do all the things that you might not have done if you were, had any element of self-control left, which usually may involve sleeping with people and everything else. And that was fine, though, because it was all in the worship of the god Dionysus, or otherwise known as a demon. So he was speaking into this culture where drunkenness was a horrendous thing happening in the town. And he says, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He uses a really dirty, if you like, in this context, analogy to compare being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would he do that? Why not just talk about something positive? Uh, be yeah, something positive, but even more... More positive is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But he didn't. He told something that was culturally terrible to illustrate being filled with the Holy Spirit. But of course, in a sense, he didn't have a choice. Let's have a quick reminder. Two quick reminders. In John, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That was to come. There was going to be a sound like thunder. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came a sound like the blowing of a violent wind from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The whole house. How about this whole room, whole building filled with the Holy Spirit? That people in the streets outside are drawn in because of the presence of God. Every day, not just Sunday mornings. That people in this building all week, praise God, they're walking in, boom, they're hit by the power of God. I'm believing for those times. Are you with me? Yeah. Ah, excellent. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then it says that outside, because they all spill outside, because you can't keep the Holy Spirit in church. It's why we've only got this far, even with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that has already happened at the end of the 20th century. It hasn't got out into the streets because the Holy Spirit is here to fill his church, to cause the church to be on the streets, in the workplaces, in the schools, in the colleges, in the universities, in people's lives. And that's what happened right here. Just a small group about the same size as us probably, get hit by the Holy Spirit and then out on the streets. And it says that each one heard their own language being spoken. 
Okay, they were speaking in tongues, but people could hear what they were saying in their own language. And they're amazed, because there's a lot of languages, especially at this time, and people wouldn't have known these languages. How do they know my local language? And then it says, some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. So what was going on then? they kind of just been speaking. Anybody know that speaking doesn't make you look drunk? What happens when you're drunk? Of course you don't know, you're all too holy. <laughs> Dance, yes? I, 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 don't, you, don't you think some of them poured out of that room and they were jumping and dancing for sheer joy because they got what Jesus had promised? But if we receive what Jesus has promised, or the Father has promised, it says, this morning, should that not have a similar response? What else happens when you're drunk? In theory, of course. Sorry? You stagger. Yeah. You can't walk in a straight line because you're possessed of wine. You've lost control. See, the Holy Spirit will never take control, but if you surrender to him and the Holy Spirit's upon you, you can lose full control of what you're doing temporarily because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is upon you. You might try and walk in a straight line, but there's something else going on in you. What else happens when you're drunk? Not, not, not necessarily the outright sinful stuff, but what are these people seeing? Sorry? Yeah, they're not really aware of what's going on. I mean, it wasn't normal for this group. They've been hiding, really, upstairs all this time. It wasn't normal for this group to be wandering around the street. Oh, praise Jesus. Praise God. Praise the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit. Because they were emboldened by the Holy Spirit. They weren't worried about saying yes to the preacher or standing up and putting their arms in the air because they were losing that restraint because the Holy Spirit was just going, Poof. sometimes when you're drunk, you fall over. You lose the capacity to stay vertical. We should ask the experts, the street angels. Experts are helping others, I mean. <laughs> This is not what we meant when we said join the street angels team. <laughs> yeah, they fall over. They might even roll around on the ground. They might even make some strange noises. They might laugh. You know, the jolly drunk. Personally, when that was part of my routine, I was the opposite. But, you know, you get the jolly drunks. <laughs> You know, so some of them must have looked like that. This is just what the people saw. And they thought, the only explanation I can think of for people to look that ridiculous and to be doing the kind of things that they're doing right now, they must be drunk. And when Paul stands up to, not Paul, when Peter stands up to preach, he says, look, they're not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. They haven't had time. Yeah, so that's why Paul uses it here. Are you prepared to let the Holy Spirit take you beyond your self-restraint? Yeah? That's what he's saying. 
He's saying, let the Holy Spirit take you to places that you would never go without him. Because you will lose that self-inhibition that holds you back in religiousness. You won't worry about being a Pentecostal. You'll be happy to be an extreme Pentecostal because you're just full of the Holy Spirit. You won't mind if the Holy Spirit knocks you on the floor. You won't mind if you shake. I don't know, I don't know if that's particularly being drunk, is it? You know, if you think about the power of God that created an entire universe and then God comes and touches Claire with the Holy Spirit... No, his Holy Spirit. <laughs> not your Holy Spirit. With his Holy Spirit. Is it not surprising that she might not shake under the influence of such power? Sometimes you get so used to the presence of God, you no longer shake. My brother is an electrician, and he used to say to me that when he was an apprenticed electrician, you, you get a lot of electric shocks. It just happens. It goes with the job. And when you're an apprentice, you go, Ah! But after you've been doing it a few years, somebody wouldn't even notice that you'd had an electric shock because you're used to power going into your body. And sometimes Christians get like that. It's just God. <laughs> it's just God! Yeah. We are so used to the presence of God in this room that we forget this is the presence of God. Yeah. We need a bit of buzz. I'm not seeking manifestations. I'm not doing that at all. I'm just doing a Paul here and saying, get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Let the Holy Spirit take over. He's not going to control you like an automaton. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying let go of the self-restraint. That's what happens when you get drunk more than anything else. But when you get drunk, it leads to debauchery, says Paul. But when you get drunk in the Holy Spirit... You'll be speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It leads to closer connection with God. It leads to hymns and songs and psalms. Interestingly, look, he says here, in in this context of being filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're going to be at your most connected with Jesus and the Father, he talks of the hymns and the songs as speaking to one another. It's still in the context of a gathering and a a congregation. It's not being filled with the Spirit. It's not just a private experience to make you better. Or even worse, to make you feel better. It will make you feel better. But that's not the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the other good news here is that the the word that Paul is using, instead be filled with the Spirit... In the Greek, it's in a continuous tense. It's saying, be filled, and be filled, and be filled, and be filled, and be filled. Because the people in Ephesus that he's writing to are already filled with the Holy Spirit. The, um, the work began, or the, the, the nearest indication of a beginning is in Acts. When Paul, uh, it says he's in Corinth, and he wanders into the interior and goes to Ephesus. And uh, in Ephesus, he meets a group of people that were baptized by John the Baptist. They call, they're called uh, disciples or believers, I cannot remember. But he says to them, well, what baptism have you had? And they say, oh, the baptism of John. He says, that's a baptism of repentance. It's an initial step. You have to repent to receive Jesus. You have to repent to receive the Holy Spirit. But because they've never been taught... 
They'd never had the words shown to them. They had not been filled with the Holy Spirit, even though they were sincere believers in what revelation they had. God is saying to us this morning, no matter where you have been, no matter where you are, he wants that spirit of wisdom and revelation that we've been looking at in Ephesus to be upon you this morning to enable you to receive more of the Holy Spirit, in a sense, than you ever have before. What do I mean by that? More of you surrendered to him. That's what I believe God wants to do in the next half an hour or so, next 40 minutes. Make the most of every opportunity. Are you going to take hold of everything? What if God decides to knock you on the floor? Are you still okay with that? Anyone not? No, I don't want the Holy Spirit to do that to me. Or is this a, yeah, okay, I'm just going to get drunk. Any of you, any of you prepared to end up staggering out of the building today? Yeah, it, it can happen. It can happen. How many of you are, well, what about if you get hit with just the joy of God and you, and you start, you can't stop laughing? Are you, are you okay with that? Yeah. All these things we've seen in this building before, but are you okay with that? They're not important in one sense, but they are also important not to stop yourself. The Holy Spirit is not going to take control of you like a bottle of wine when it becomes uncontrollable, if the Holy Spirit is upon you, there's always the option to stop. He never removes your free choice. That's why sometimes when you pray for people, ministering to people, you can feel them resisting. I'm not going to fall over. I'm not going to fall over. I'm not going to fall over. Well, that's okay. It's much better just to say, do whatever you want, Lord. I'll just let you do what you want to do. Who's ready for having no physical experience whatsoever this morning? Because that happens too. We receive by faith. In fact, the better thing to see is the changes that happen as a subsequence of being filled with the Spirit, rather than what just happens at that time. Are you prepared that you might do something that afterwards you'll think, that was embarrassing? Just like when you've had too much wine and you, you, know, you got up and sung on the stage or something. But are you prepared to let that happen? Or are you going to say, no, I'm not letting you do anything like that, God. I'm holding on to that bit. I'm not saying he will. But it's still just, a, look, look, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do. I am yours. I'm just going to drink bottles and bottles of the Holy Spirit. Be continuously filled, because the Holy Spirit needs to be continued flowing out of us. This, this, what God is doing this morning, is not to make us all into Pentecostals, or to make us all into happy clappies, or to make us all just have great worship sessions. This is to enable us to live like Paul has just written all about here. This is to enable us to live as we actually are called to be in Christ. This is enable us, enables us to live as God's masterpiece. This is to enable us to pray with asking, seeking, knocking, but, but, but drawing on the Spirit of God rather than our own strength. This is to enable us to overcome sin, not by trying even harder, but by leaning into God. It's not an instant 
everything is perfect in your life now. I mean, it's perfect in that you've been placed in a position of perfection. It doesn't, it's not like an instant sanctification. There's nothing else to do. But the Holy Spirit talks of enabling you to go from glory to glory. Do you want to be filled this morning? That's it, go for it. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning? Your leaders are showing you the way. Hallelujah. See to it, then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. This is an opportunity right now. Because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So get asking that Holy Spirit, that very same one. The third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ask Him right now to come and fill you. Don't be embarrassed. Don't hold back. Come in your power. Come in your fire. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. Come, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you. Holy Hallelujah. Come on, let your flesh know that you're serious about this. If there's anybody here this morning that hasn't yet surrendered their life to Jesus, I mean, I haven't really preached the gospel, but if there's anybody in that position who hasn't yet surrendered their life to Jesus, maybe they've only had a revelation like John's disciples had, or maybe you knew nothing, then what you need to do right now is say yes to Jesus. You need to repent and say, I want to be your follower, Jesus. I want to follow you and go your way. Hallelujah. If there's anybody in that position, then that's what you need to do right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody here? Just raise 
your uh, right hand up high if you want to give your life to Jesus. I want to make sure we've done that before we move into what God's doing now. If there's anybody, your heart will be going bang, 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 bang. If it wasn't for you, your heart wouldn't have suddenly increased. Hallelujah. If you want the love of God to explode into your life this morning, if you want to come to know Jesus for the first time, show me by just raising your hand. Well, I'm going to do it later because everybody's hands will be in the air. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't hold back. I believe there's two people in the room this morning that don't yet know God in the way you need to know God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just a case of surrender. Hallelujah. I'll ask one one last time. Anybody. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Keep your hand up. Is there anybody else this morning? Well done. That was a brave step. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray with you. You can stay there. We're just going to pray with you. And Donna will talk to you afterwards and explain everything that's happened. Let's pray with you together. We can all say this prayer. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. I surrender to you now. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me that I can be reunited with God. I repent of not believing in you. I repent of doing things my way. And now I will follow you. Father, as I do this, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Releasing me in the gifts of tongues and prophecy. disciples it happened with Ananias when he went to Paul he laid hands on him and he was filled with the Holy Spirit it's a sign of what God is doing it's a moment of connection but even as we worship right now the Holy Spirit is pouring out we will have that response shortly and if you are responding this morning that in the Holy Spirit you are going to make the most of every opportunity that God gives you then you will come forward on you and you will be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit specifically that you will make the most of every opportunity because when you do there's going to be such fruit that we have not known like before because we are moving in obedience to what God is doing Jesus breathed his Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost a few weeks ago God breathed upon us today 
the Holy Spirit falls on this house and this room, this building, even down to the crash, even down to the night up down there and up to the children will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even downstairs in the bars, I dare to say, the Holy Spirit will invade the flyer. The Holy Spirit will invade those buildings. Hallelujah. Let's worship for a short time and then we'll respond as the Holy Spirit leads us. for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.